0: Welcome to this edition of DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. For more information, visit us on our website, www.dbsalliance.org. We've been there, we can help. Today, we're talking to Matt Mattson, DBSA's Director of Training. Uh, recently, Matt has been doing presentations on how consumers and healthcare providers can improve their communications to achieve better outcomes. Uh, as part of that effort, Matt, with input from consumers, has developed a list of seven dirty words or phrases that are basically turnoffs for many people with mental illnesses. Uh, we'll explore some of that language and why language is at the root of bad consumer-provider relationships. Welcome, Matt. Thanks a lot, Keith. Matt, how important is it for mental health consumers to talk frankly with their doctors and their therapists about words and phrases that they find either offensive offensive or, at the very least, uh, disempowering.
1: Well, a few thoughts. First, uh, you know, anytime I, I talk about any of this stuff where we're, uh, where we're partnering as a consumer organization with healthcare providers, I'm reminded that that's how we started as an organization. You know, 21 years ago, you know, we had uh, a consumer say to her doctor, hey, I need more than just... Uh, just talking with you, everything that you're doing is helping me a lot. But I need, I need to be able to talk with other people who've had a similar experience. And uh, and the doctor said, all right, I'll help you with that. And that to me, that's that's powerful. It's, it's a powerful place to start. Anytime we have these conversations, is to remember that DBSA was, and always has been about partnerships between consumers, and our providers. And and that's a pretty powerful thing. Now. Is it important for consumers to talk frankly with their doctors or how important it is? Is it uh, very important, I think. It, you know, something that we talk about a lot as an organization is, is the power of responsibility and, and the importance of, of being in the driver's seat of our treatment plan and, for that matter, of our wellness the the words and phrases that uh, we'll talk about a little bit, and the truth is, we talk about these seven dirty words as a uh, almost a almost kind of a, a joke, almost kind of funny, because it's not about the words and phrases, although they they are, uh, to use some doctors' terminology, they are symptomatic of uh, some maybe disempowering attitudes that that could exist among some uh, healthcare providers. You're
0: suggesting that uh, consumers need to empower themselves, that they hope to improve their overall care and achieve um, recovery. Is it fair to ask consumers to do more than they already are? I mean, so many of them are just struggling uh, to keep going day to day.
1: Yeah, so, so, so many of us are just struggling to, to just keep going day to day. And first off, understand that, that, that we uh, fully understand that and, and, and that, that we're there too. And, you know, I, I mean, I think that's, that's the beauty of our organization. But then I wonder, you know, I'm reminded of something uh, I don't know, somebody smarter than me once said, and that is, if not you, then who? If we don't take charge of our recovery, if we don't take charge of making sure that those of us, those, those people who are around us who are there to support us, are actually supporting us. If we don't take that responsibility on our shoulders, nobody else will. And so, is it fair to ask uh, ask those of us who are struggling to make it day to day and to and to see the light of tomorrow uh, to do even more? No. And I wish uh, I, w- I wish we weren't in that position. But uh, the truth is that if we don't do this, I'm not sure who's going to. You know, as we look to change the mental health system, uh, we it's important to take responsibility. You know what? What's more important? As we look to change the individual care that we get from each of our providers, we're the ones who have to take that power. And, and, and if we can start having partnership-oriented conversations with our health care providers, saying, listen, this is my life, this is my wellness, and uh, I know I can get better, and I know you can help me, and I'm glad for everything that you've done, but I need you to understand this about me. I need you to understand this about the language that we use to talk with one another. And I need you to understand how sometimes that language can uh, cannot be communicating exactly what you're trying to say. So that's what these seven dirty words are about. Good,
0: good. And I think it's important that we kind of make it clear to our listeners that we're not talk about talking about doing battle with our healthcare providers. We're not talking about being antagonistic.
1: And that's 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 so important. You know, there there are parts of of the community out there of consumers who are uh, a little bit more oriented toward uh, pointing fingers at healthcare providers and saying that uh, um, that it's it's their fault and and there's some legitimacy to that I absolutely uh, I appreciate where a lot of those folks are coming from but as an organization we truly believe in in the power of partnerships I, I it may be cliche to say that but I can't say it enough I don't think and that is that if we really work to partner with our healthcare providers and both because we're really both working toward the same goal and that is a full and meaningful life for me, the consumer, right? I mean, that's that's really what everybody's working for uh, in the entire healthcare system. So, yeah.
0: Good, good. Um, let me ask you, you: This is about consumers, but you do a lot of these presentations for providers. Yeah. So, what type of responses? Uh, what type of responses are you getting? There?
1: Good question. Uh, yeah, certainly. To clarify for our listeners, the. Uh, one of the services that DBSA offers, and we certainly do a whole lot for uh, for consumers and for people living with and experiencing these illnesses, but we also do work specifically for the healthcare provider community. One of those services is training. Uh, we do some training for clinicians, uh, and we help them understand better what the lived experience is like, what it's like to, to truly live day-to-day with, with each of these illnesses. You know, some people
0: might not be familiar that terminology a lived experience explain that a bit.
1: Sure We uh, you know something that, that a lot of the healthcare providers that we've talked to have really appreciated have, has been our ability to communicate to them what it's like to what it's like to, to feel the pain of depression, what it's like to to not only experience the symptoms of bipolar disorder but also experience the sometimes disabling effects of the diagnosis itself. It, it how it goes beyond uh, uh, the symptoms and how they affect us, but also how the side effects of our medication affect us, how the stigma of society affects us, how how we're looked at a little bit differently by people who know about the right. diagnosis. I mean, I'm mean, i sure many listeners can, can relate to that. Certainly uh, that's, that's how we know this, is by listening to our constituents, by listening to the folks that contact DBSA. That's fantastic. So you're I got you
0: kind of sidetracked there, but the type of responses that you're getting from uh, providers positive, uh, different. Yeah,
1: they, uh, uh, well, sometimes indifferent, sometimes a little taken aback, sometimes angry. But almost most of the t- most of the time, I'll, I'll put it that way. Most of the time, maybe ninety percent of the time, healthcare providers love this stuff, especially Excellent. when we talk about the seven dirty words. They uh, they they listen to it and say, you know what? That's of course they say that's not me. That's not me. And and oftentimes it's not. But, but then they'll follow that up with, but I've got a colleague who says that, or I hear that around, uh, I hear that around the office or around the hospital or around the clinic or around the facility. I, I hear those things sometimes. Right. And, and they, once they get the insight that, because these words in themselves aren't necessarily dirty. These right. words uh, are pretty common medical language. But once they understand again, the perspective of the consumer, and that's what we bring to the table, is this big national organization representing millions and millions of people living with these illnesses, once they understand the perspective that, that or maybe what we hear when we hear some of these dirty words and how that affects us very differently than what they intend, Right. Uh, they, uh, they like that. They, they like to be let in on that little secret.
0: Well, that's hopeful, Matt. That's very hopeful. It is. Um, thanks for that. Um Seven dirty words. You know that kind of brings you back to George Carlin. You sure, his sure. on the seven dirty words. <laughs> we won't go into that. No. But how did you come up with the seven dirty words that you uh, are going to be talking about today, and that you talk about in many of your
1: presentations? Sure. Well, first of all, I won't take credit for the, for, for coming up with these. I'll, I'll say that these have come from a couple different places. The first of which is our president Sue Bergeson. She uh, uh, she really originated these in some of the more informal and sometimes formal talks that she gave to uh, uh, to healthcare provider communities of, of every sort. As the president of our organization, as the chief spokesperson, uh, she she has the ability to to really talk with a lot of great audiences. Uh, that, that need to hear our perspective. And this is a way that she's found to to be able to communicate in, in sometimes a lighthearted way uh, some of our perspective. I'll also say that we did uh, some surveys recently. Some of our listeners may have seen a survey on our website recently uh, that asked, what do you think about these words? How do these affect you? And, uh, and it also asked, what are some other words that uh, that maybe you've heard that uh, that are hurtful or, or or don't come across the way that maybe they're intended? Uh, and so we've been able to pull on some of that data, uh, but mostly these these are these are commonplace medical words, and we've also learned them from testing these out and, and seeing uh, seeing what the reaction of the audience is when we were talking to healthcare providers. And again, their audience uh, their reaction has typically been uh, uh, laughing and uh, and laughing right along with us and saying, yeah, yeah, we could we could do better, and thanks for the insight.
0: Okay, give me example of uh, one of the seven dirty. We'll go through the
1: whole list, but uh, what starts it off? What, where do you where do you begin? Well, I always uh, we always start with uh, the word compliance. The word compliance. That seems like a perfectly fine. Word. Yeah, the the it, it does seem like a, a pretty normal word, right? Compliance. Well, it's a typical medical word. Is somebody complying with their treatment? Well, if we look at the word compliant a little bit further, you know, compliant really, uh, com- being compliant really suggests conforming or acquiescing or yielding. It almost suggests that the person who complies is subservient to the person who's making the demands, right? We we always, we always make the joke that dogs, you know, my dog will will comply with my demands, but I don't want to comply. You know, don't tell me what to comply with. I might adhere, and and, that, and that's where that's where we offer the uh, uh, the more positive word. You know, I I might adhere to a, a treatment plan that was co-authored by me, but. Asking me to comply with a treatment plan that has been shoved down onto me is not realistic, and it, and it really takes away some of uh, uh, some of who I am as a person. That makes
0: sense. So it, adherence or to adhere would be more of an empowering, empowering terminology.
1: Is that what Oh, we we like to think so. And the truth is that the truth is these are just words. These, these are just words. Right. And and as fun as it is for us to talk about the words, it's really not about the words. It's about it's about what's behind the words. You know, the concept of compliance really comes from uh, you know uh, a parts of our mental health system that are still behind the times. And many of us know that all too well from firsthand experience. But some of those parts of our of our mental health system are, are really about, you know, a, 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 a kind of a, a, a first-class, second-class, you know, level, you know, and, and certainly consumers haven't traditionally been on the first-class level. We've right. been second-class citizens in a lot of different ways. Particularly in mental health when we talk absolutely. about Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So as we, as we move to a more recovery-oriented, person-centered, person-driven mm-hmm. mental health system that all of us are working toward, it's important to, to look at some of these words that maybe have stuck around that are maybe a little old-fashioned and uh, that maybe suggest some things that are, are old-fashioned as well. Quite excellent. Uh, give me another example. Sure. The, uh, uh, this is uh, one that we sometimes hear from our, uh, the research community, uh, the, uh, but a lot of other places as well. Uh, the patient failed the treatment. Uh, uh, I've I've got uh, the the this patient has failed you know all six different types of treatments for but uh, hang on a second I didn't fail anything right. don't don't blame me if, if the treatment that, that you tried failed you know the, right. the, the the treatment failed me you know I I didn't fail anything but that that one
0: is it seems so apparent now that you put it in that context but it's common phraseology common terminology that we hear from doctors. On a day-to-day basis. It is.
1: It is. And I don't think that when most doctors say something like that, that they mean to blame us. But, right. but again, when, when we hear it, you know, if we can communicate to our doctors, hang on a second. What I'm hearing is that you're blaming me that, that this medication didn't work. Right. Well, don't blame me. I tried my best. <laughs> you know, yeah. we want nothing more than, than for this to work. Excellent. Um, another. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll roll through a few, uh, if that's all right. The, That'd be uh, great. Thank uh, you. Another one that we talk about is uh, uh, you know, the bipolar in room three, or the schizophrenic over there, or, or, or my depressive. You know, they, these are these are terms that healthcare providers sometimes use. That you know, t- calling us by our illness, labeling us with our illness, takes away the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we can use person-first language, if we if we can be known as, as a person again. Right, that's a that gives a lot of us back. You know, I said earlier about, uh, and, and certainly these aren't my words, but sometimes the the diagnosis itself, the label, mm-hmm. can be more disabling than the illness is. Right, and uh, and here's here's an example of, of how that can be. Another one that uh, that we sometimes hear. This is one of my favorites: is treatment team, treatment team. Now, on the surface. Uh, even even I, the first time I heard that was like, "What treatment team? What's wrong with that?" I mean, I don't mean, even know what that is. Right, me. right. So if I've got a, if I've got a treatment team, right, it might include it might include my social worker or my case manager. Okay. It might include my psychiatrist, my therapist, and maybe a couple other people on that treatment team. The question is always, where am I on that treatment team? If uh, uh, let, let, let's take a baseball analogy. I'm a big okay. baseball fan. My Cubs lost today, but I'm a big baseball fan. <laughs> And', and let's, let's picture a baseball field a baseball team right and that's our treatment team We've got uh, our psychiatrists you know pitching we've got a social worker catching for us and we've got a therapist out on second base Now the question is where are we? Where are we on the field sometimes we're not even we're, we're not even on the field sometimes we're the ball that we're trying to hit over right. the fence. sometimes we're the opposing team that that, that uh, you know our providers are playing against trying right. to beat us. Uh, Sometimes we're in the stands watching. If we're lucky, oftentimes we're not even at the game. Sometimes just warming the bench. Sometimes (laughs) we're just warming the bench. Well said. Well said. (laughs) You know, another one that's kind of similar to uh, uh, earlier when I said the the patient failed the treatment is that second dirty word. Another one that's kind of similar to that is uh, uh, maybe people who are are treatment resistant. whether you've tried nine different medications and 13 different therapies on me, and, and none of them have, have happened to, to, to work well, I'm not resistant to treatment. Right, <laughs> I'm, right. I'll do any. I'll stand on my head if I have to. Mm-hmm. It's not me that's resistant to treatment. My body may not be uh, working right with these particular medications, but trust me, I'm not resistant to treatment. Again, it's not about please don't blame me, please don't blame me, you know, help me be a partner in this process.
0: Like, is it that doctors get frustrated as well, oh, So, and they don't know what to blame, and r- rather than saying the treatment is not working for Tom, mm-hmm.
1: that it's the patient? Yeah, it's the, it's the patient, right, right. And, yeah. and, and and that has a whole lot to do with, with kind of a traditional medical system that has been, very much about uh, problem solving. Identify deficiency, fix deficiency, right? And, and where we're trying to move, where so many healthcare providers that are very interested in partnering with us are trying to move, and where a lot of our, our listeners know that the kind of the, the consumer movement, the, the movement of mental health consumers is trying to go to is to be less about solving the problems. We don't want to be problems. We're not problems right. with people. But instead of that, helping people get the meaningful life that they want. And that's that's a different kind of a goal, and that's really where these are really derived derived from.
0: Excellent. Give us a couple more.
1: Sure, there are uh, a couple more. One is a, a minimal side effect profile. Uh, that's that's one we hear a lot of times when we're talking about medications. You know, right. oh, this medication has a minimal side effect profile. No big deal. Just you'll you'll gain seventy pounds. You won't be able to have sex anymore, and uh, you know you're you're you won't be able to sleep at all. You won't be able to drive to work because you'll be so tired. Just minimal side. No, those are not <laughs> minimal side effects. These are major life obstacles, and and while we know that they're major life obstacles because they're becoming obstacles in our life in a major way, sometimes our healthcare providers can can not be within the context of the lived experience. Cannot understand that those are you know losing a little sleep may seem a whole lot better than uh, than than dealing with all the symptoms. That and, and that could be true, but it's also important to know that, that for some people, if I can't drive to work, it doesn't matter if I have symptoms or not because my life isn't as meaningful as I want it to be. Right. And so it's really about reframing what our goals are. Is our goal to reduce symptoms as a health care provider, or is our goal as a health care provider to help a person get the meaningful life that they want?
0: Right, so,
1: so. The last one uh, that's, uh, that's another fun one. Uh, that is one we hear all the time. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I, I just heard it uh, yesterday talking with a group of providers, and that was the the frontline staff in the trenches. The frontline staff in the trenches. Who is that referring to? Well, it's talking about kind of direct direct care service workers. It's talking about. Uh, it's talking about the the, right, the people on the front lines. That that that's what this is about. Okay, doctors, and, nurses, doctors, nurses, uh, it, it but also yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The folks at the front desk, the, the our, our our technicians, our, our, our psychiatric technicians, our, our nurses, absolutely. The, the people who are really uh, in direct contact a lot with with us, you know, right. especially when we're receiving acute care treatment or, or other intensive treatment. So these are the front line staff in the trenches. Well. Why is a war analogy? Yeah, it's that, a war Right, language, right. Certainly. What? What? Am I the enemy? Am I? Am I who we're trying to, to beat down? No, of course not. You know, no. So, so let's not talk that way. Uh, well, again, this is typically that's used in the most pure of intentions. You know, right. these, these are the frontline staff in the trenches trying to help us. We know that, but you know, if if that's the front, if that's the front line, which side are we on? <laughs> and that's yeah, always exactly. the question. It's
0: always the question. So, what what we're really looking at here? are ways to get providers and consumers to talk in a more collaborative way. I would agree with that. And once one, once both parties understand the importance of the language that they're using and the way that they're communicating, does it follow the chances of achieving recovery
1: increase? Well, we would hope so, and certainly Having this conversation and being able to share this, uh, this information with our listeners and being able to share this information when we do training with our healthcare care providers all over the country really opens the door. That's what we're trying to do with this. Again, it's less about these specific words as it is about really opening the door of communication and making sure that, that the things that we're saying to one another are about partnering toward the right goal, toward the same goal. And, again, the intentions are almost always there with healthcare providers. Right. But it's a matter of being able to be, uh, to be collaborative. I think that was a good word. That was a good word to use uh, because the responsibility falls on both of our shoulders. Uh, it, we could sit back and say, our providers don't treat us well enough. We need to be angry at our providers. But that doesn't do us much good. Right. What we should do is say, the responsibility has to be on both of us. And, and we need to find a way to work together. That's good. Now let's take a worst case scenario and
0: you're stuck with a provider who uh, just doesn't want to understand where you're coming from, so you're at loggerheads, and you, you feel you, this relationship is not going to improve, or, or you just hit a wall. The provider's not willing to adapt. You're, as the consumer, uh, trying to engage them,
1: that's the worst possible case scenario. What do you recommend uh, someone do? Sure. Those are, those are tough situations for a couple reasons. The, the first reason being, for many of us, it's hard to even find a provider, period. For uh, many of us, we can't find a psychiatrist in our community. We can't find a good therapist. I guess I'd start by saying, first, be very, very clear about what you're looking for from your healthcare care provider. And tell them very, very clearly this is what I want. This is what I want for my treatment. I realize that the goal that you may have for me is to take my medication and show up to my appointment on time, but that's not a good enough goal for me. This is the goal that I want in my life. I want to be able to play catch with my son in the backyard. I want to be able to have a job that, that is meaningful for me. I want to be able to have a house again. I, you know, right. I, I want to, I want to right. be able to have a great relationship with my wife. You know, if... If, if we communicate that very clearly, I think that's the first step. Mm-hmm. And we need, to, we need to be clear about that. That's what we want. And if we're not getting that, we need to be able to be brave enough. And It's hard to be brave enough to say this. I know this. It's hard for me to talk to my doctor, period. Mm-hmm. But if we can say to them, I'm not getting this. This is what I really want. Oftentimes it's best to come in with that right written down because right. it's, it's hard to remember in those mm-hmm. seven minutes that you sometimes have with some, some of your doctors. Uh, the next thing I would do is say, try and find mm-hmm. another one. Uh, you know, we talk about firing our doctors fairly often. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it's, that can be a very scary thing to do. Uh, and, and it's not something that should be done lightly, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But if you're not getting what you want, this is your wellness. This is your wellness. This is your life. Right. Make sure that you're in control. Uh, and you have the right to be. You absolutely have the right to be. The last uh, piece of advice I would give is to talk with people in a local support group, in a local DBSA support group, or, or a local consumer support group of any kind. Talk with them and find out what they're doing. Ask them for their advice. Find out uh, if they know of other health care providers that might be able to serve you even better. How can people find a support group in their area? Well, uh, if, as many uh, of our listeners know who have been to our website, there's a, there's a great way to search for a, a support group. Um, by zip code, by state, by all sorts of things. You can also call our, our toll free number, of course, eight hundred eight two six three six three two. That's right, right? Can you number. say that again? Eight hundred eight two six three six three two. I'm always afraid I'm giving out the wrong number, but uh, but it's uh, happened. Before, yeah, yeah. So uh, those those are a couple ways, and also to to talk with your providers and talk with stop by uh, local treatment facilities or local hospitals. And ask folks there, do you know of any support groups around that I may be able to connect with? Because that's that's one of the best places to be connected uh, with, with those of us who provide support. This has been really interesting, Matt, and I, I've learned
0: a lot. Hopefully our listeners have. Um, you know, based on our conversation today, it's likely that people will want to share some of their... Uh, Communications experiences with their doctors and, and providers. Um, is there any way that they could share some of their
1: experiences with us here at DBSA? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd recommend a couple things. Uh, a couple things off the top of my head, uh, especially through DBSA's website. You know, we have a Share Your Story section that I couldn't explain how to get to over this audio medium. But uh, there's a Share Your Story section of our website that I would recommend people check out and think about sharing what their experiences. Uh, another way would be to to email us. You know, mm-hmm. you know, d- click on any of the email links anywhere on our website, and it'll get directed to the right people. But but feel free to share your dirty words. That yeah, I, you know, I, I do know that one email address is discuss
0: at dbsalliance.org. Yeah, again, that's discuss at dbsalliance.org. dot uh, org. Matt Matson, uh, DBSA's director of training. Thank you very much for. Uh, Telling us a bit about the seven dirty words. (laughs) And this has been Keith Romero with DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. This has been a production of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. For more information, go to www.dbsalliance.org or call 1 800 826 3632. We've been there, we can help.